When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Sacked is the nothing personal word of the day for September 7th, 2022. Sacked. That's what happened to Chelsea's coach while you were sleeping last night. They call it sacked over there across the pond. I call it canned, fired, but they call it sacked. So we're going to call it sacked. And the reason why this is the lead story for me is I love it. The American owner comes in. Remember, Chelsea just got sold because Abramovich, the Russian oligarch, maybe non-war criminal building tanks, who knows what he's doing, who's not going to make any money from the sale, of course. Yeah, I'm sure he is absolutely impoverished. Sold the team to a group. It was going to be maybe the Ricketts. We've done all these shows where they flew over the pond. They met with their supporters. Help me, help me, Rhonda. In comes Todd Bowley. Everything's great. The American with the Superman cape comes on through, takes over. Everything's coming up roses. And then he just sacks them. They've lost a couple of games in a row. They lost yesterday to a team who is maybe one of the biggest underdogs ever in a, in a match. And so they fired him. And then word started leaking out from the American owner, Todd Bowley. We're just going to call him Todd. So Todd wants you to know as a supporter of Chelsea Listen, I had no choice but to fire this guy because we need to show you that all the money we spent, and they spent the most money in the most recent transfer window they had ever spent before, like 250 million either pounds, dollars, shillings, shekels, or francs, or euros. It doesn't matter. 250 is 250 unless it's like yen or some sort of currency in Africa. But let's just pretend it's 250 million dollars. And yet, they had gotten off to a slow start. So when a new owner comes in, here's what they do. They speak to their manager in baseball or their coach in basketball or their coach in football. And they're speaking to them on a consistent basis. After every game, before every game, who are you going to play? How are you going to play them? Why aren't we winning games? Why aren't we winning matches? But Todd Bowley did something slightly differently he named himself the interim sporting director when they lost their sporting director a couple months ago. So he was the interim sporting director and he wanted help from his coach. 
not exactly how I treated managers. We would inform our managers what we were doing. We wanted them to be in the loop because we wanted them to spread the message of positivity and that we knew what we were doing. But in terms of saying to your manager, hey, should we sign this player or that player? Generally, we have a GM for that. And in England, the GM is called the sporting director. But if the sporting director is the owner and your name is not Jerry Jones, then what the hell are you doing? So Bowley wanted all this input from Tuchel, find out what to do, who should we sign, how should we sign? And Tuchel was like, dude, can you stop calling me? You're, you're literally bothering me five times a day. And then I have to sit here on the phone because you're the new owner and I have to hold your hand and walk you through protocols, explain to you how we do things, explain to you when to panic and when not to panic. And by the way, you're not listening anyway. For a manager to succeed or a head coach, you have to make sure, frankly, for your team to succeed, you have to make sure that everyone understands what his, her, or their role is. And that's one of the first things you're supposed to do when you buy a company or when you take a new job and you've got people reporting to you is you identify not silos. You don't want everyone to be separated in different corners, but you identify a very clear organizational chart. You identify, identify job responsibilities and then you let people do their jobs. And what makes me smile about this is that American owners are so hated across the pond because they act like American owners. They get involved, they meddle. And what supporters want in the Premier League, I don't know if supporters wanna choose players. Some, some part of me thinks they want to, right? Wouldn't that be great? I think fans in the US would like it too. Hey, we, we want you to spend money, but we want you to spend money the way we want you to spend money on the players we want you to sign. Imagine, just for a second, imagine if there were a team where the owner and GM did like the Levitard polls, and on the polls it was, do you want us to sign player A, B, C, or D? Then the poll is answered, and then the team signs that player. Can you imagine the idiocy of that? Guess what? There's a team that's actually done that. Coke and I were talking about today's show, and when I was laughing about how ridiculous it is for fans to have that type of power, how ridiculous it is for supporters to turn their back on an owner after spending money when that's all they want, it turns out they want to spend money and win. Because if you don't spend money and win, they're not happy. You gotta spend money and win. Spend money and lose, and they're gonna parade for your disappearance. So there's a team, Crawley Town, and they actually, Coca told me this and I didn't believe him, they actually made a decision to sign a player based on a vote from supporters. They put it out to vote. Guess where they are? Just guess. They're in 22nd place out of 24 teams. I'm just saying. Can you imagine if someone walked into your office? Imagine if you were like a geologist, which is a pretty 
difficult thing to be. You have to be super smart. You have to know all the different kinds of rocks and you have to try to help companies understand what to do and where to drill for oil or figure out when to do what. And some guy walks in with no training. He's a lawyer and says, listen, I have an idea. Why don't we dig just over there? And the geologist says, well, what are you talking about? What, why does that make sense? It doesn't matter. I own it. Dig over there. And they dig, of course, and they find mud. <laughs> Sorry. You know what Coke is saying to himself right now? Why? David didn't say he was going to do any sort of geologist analogy, and I wasn't, but I just thought of it because I happened to have met my first ever geologist on Kilimanjaro. And I learned all about geology and it occurred to me that that is one of the unique things like that and being a brain surgeon, right? When someone takes over the hospital, they don't walk into the first brain surgery and say to the chief brain surgeon, hey, listen, I think you should use this instrument instead of that one. Here, let me do it. I got it. So I guess that's another one. But geology is one too. Owners getting involved. It's too much for me. My role as president was simple. I was the bridge between the baseball department and the owner. That was one of the many things I had to do. I would speak to the GM about what the owner wanted. I would try to translate to the GM what the owner wanted. I would try to translate to the owner what the GM wanted and what the GM did. And I would try to figure out who should win what battles and how we should all work together, not kumbaya necessarily, but in a way that's the most effective possible to with the best team on the field, given the budget that we had. There were also things that I saw with my own two eyes. In the beginning of my career, I thought I knew what I was looking at and didn't. By the end of my career, I could watch a baseball game the way a GM watches a baseball game because I'd learned so much and spent so much time with GMs. But it doesn't happen when you start. The other thing presidents do is that they decide with the owner, what the payroll is gonna be. The other thing the presidents do is they approve when a player is going to be signed in consultation with the owner. The other thing a president does is that they know everything going on with the team. Just keep that in mind as we talk about Randy Levine. Randy Levine is the longest tenure president in Major League Baseball. He was the longest tenure president when I got sacked in 2017, and I was the second longest tenure president. So I, I never knew who the third was, but I always knew who the first was. So he's still there. I guess he will never get fired, which is great, because he said yesterday on a show or a couple days ago on a great, um, on a great show, I guess it's a great show. It just started. Give it a try. That... Uh, I can't promote it because it's not a CBS show. Isn't that a weird rule? You're not allowed to say, like, what show? I'm just kidding. I could. <laughs> I know I can. It's called The Show. Got it? Go check it out. So Randy Levine gives an interview, and he said some things that I cannot let rest without explaining to you. Because when, when presidents say things, sometimes they don't mean them. The first thing he said was he talked about the shortstop free agency class. And he said, which is what you do, he wanted it to be very clear because Yankee fans are upset. 
So Randy Levine decided I'm going to go on the show with John Heyman and Joel Sherman, which is a new podcast. And he wanted to explain a couple things, clarify, because the Yankees have not been playing well. They still have a, I don't know what, a five-game lead, four-and-a-half-game lead, four-game lead, whatever they have over the Tampa Bay Rays. They've got to figure out what to do with Aaron Judge. They've got to deal with the fact that they've got a very high payroll and they've not won a World Series since 09, not been to a World Series since 09, and that is a big deal in Yankeedom. As president of the team, I wanted to always communicate to my fans, listen, we've spent the money we can, we've tried, we can't do more, we've made some mistakes. We've signed some players who didn't work out, we've developed some players who didn't pan out, we missed on drafting some players who we didn't work out. And I'm trying to excuse lack of performance. But one of the things that a president is supposed to do is own it. Unless you have a GM on the last year of his contract, in which case you can put that GM so under the bus that they've got tread marks on their nuzzicle. And Randy Levine wanted to make sure that you knew that the lack of signing one of the great shortstops, now, I can't say Seager's had a great year, but I'm not sure that contract will work out. Simeon has not had a great year. That contract will not work out. Lindor was extended by the Mets after a trade. I'm not sure that contract's going to work out. Trevor Story's on the Red Sox, and the Red Sox are in the crappa. I'm not sure that's going to work out. But be that as it may, Fans are very fickle in that way, and they want to go back in time and say, hey, why didn't we sign this guy or that guy? Carlos Correa on the Twins. Maybe the Twins are going to win this Central, so that could have worked out, but they'd have to catch the Guardians. And he's going to opt out after a year. But anyway, so Randy Levine said, by the way, it was not the luxury tax, which it was. Do you remember when the Yankees wouldn't go above a certain amount? Just like basketball teams don't want to go over the tax because they don't want to pay the tax. Baseball teams are the same, but Steve Cohn's happy to do it with the Mets and Todd Bowley's former team, the Dodgers, are happy to do it with the Dodgers. But the Yankees, who I've told you don't make money, trust me when I tell you this, they do not make money operationally as a baseball team. They do not want to go over the tax, and I don't blame them. But they do, and then they reset it because the rules are when you're under the tax, that means you pay a smaller penalty once you're over the tax again. So everything with payroll is strategy. And it's not that fans can't understand it, but we don't want to waste your time explaining it when we are running the team. We are just running the team. But Randy Levine said it was not the luxury tax, which is why we didn't sign a shortstop. It's simply because I never was approached by Brian Cashman. You'd have to ask Cash, he said. He said that nobody ever came to me regarding Correa, Seager, any of these guys. Horse hockey. When there are free agents, which are every single year in the history of baseball since free agency started, thank you, Kurt. The president and the GM have the same list of free agents from every team. I had it with me, another one of the documents I would carry with me, prospective free agents. And we'd work with the GM, the owner, the president, the GM to identify a list of targets. You think last year, do you remember the huge story of Correa and Story and Seeger, all these shortstops? 
and you think they were never discussed by the Yankees? There were articles every day, are the Yankees gonna sign this guy, that guy? Trevor Story signed late with the Red Sox and the Yankees didn't discuss it? It's absolute bull biddles. <laughs> Sorry, Coco, let me do that again. Four, six, nine. It's absolute bull vittles. <laughs> I think it's a vittle, not a biddle. In case you cut out Viddle or Biddle. I don't know what it is. What's the thing like it's, uh, ah, forget it. All right, the other thing Levine said, which I really liked, is he talked about Aaron Judge. When you have a big free agent and you don't know whether you're gonna be able to resign him, one of your jobs as president is to start managing the expectations of your team and of your fans. The way to manage expectations of your fans is to say what Steve Cohn said about Jacob DeGrom, which is, we want him here. We're gonna do everything we can to get him here. But hey, it takes two to tango. Derek Jeter tried that with Starling Marte. That was a player who the Marlins let go and then signed Garcia and Soler instead. And they stink offensively. So when you make an offer to a player, Sometimes you make an offer that you know the player will not accept so you can tell your fans, hey, we tried. There are 25 teams who can do that. The Marlins are one of them. The Yankees are not. Yankee fans will not agree that the Yankees tried to sign Aaron Judge unless the Yankees sign Aaron Judge. They can't offer him $213 million and say, hey, sorry, we tried. They can offer him $313 million and say, hey, sorry, we tried. It takes two to tango. That's the line we get to use, but hey, Yankees, you don't get to use it. So the Yankees are not one of the teams who should, under any scenario, be talking to their fans about the fact, and same with Steve Cohen with Jacob DeGrom, about the fact that we can only sign him if he wants to stay here. Have them call me because we know how to make an offer to a player that makes a player who doesn't want to stay, stay. Yes, I'm talking about Giancarlo Stanton. It's very easy to do. Give Aaron Judge 10 years, $430 million, and I promise you he'll be a Yankee. Give Jacob DeGrom five years at $215 million, and I promise you he will be a Met. Should those teams overpay? No, but as a team like the Yankees and the Mets, you then have to say to your fan base, we were not willing to overpay for Aaron Judge. We do not want to see him at 38 making 45 to $55 million. We want to win when he's 38 in seven years because you expect us to win every year. To do that, we have to sometimes let players go. And then you go to the examples. And the number one example that teams use since 2012, the St. Louis Cardinals, run brilliantly by the DeWitts and John Moseliak. Albert Pujols signed a 10-year deal with the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. The Cardinals have won a World Series since. Have the Angels? Now you can have a reunion once Aaron Judge turns 40 and he's going for 700 home runs. 
but don't overpay your players. But don't make an excuse that we couldn't get him signed because he would not agree to sign. It's not going to work. It's going to be fascinating to watch, I'll tell you that. Yes, Coca, I hear you. We'll, we'll do that. Oh, you want me to mention it like on the show right now? All right, ready? Here we go. The Astros, too. They're very good at that. They let players go and they keep winning. You're right. All right, when we come back, I'm going full Balboa on you. And Drago. And Mr. T. And I'm going to do something that I love doing. You know how I don't want to ever waste your time. Time is the only commodity that matters. I am saving you one hour and 40 minutes of your life when we come back. And I assure you that I'm right. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I forgot to tell you what was coming up after the break. So maybe we can do the break again and I can say, when we come back, I'm gonna review a movie that will save an hour and 40 minutes of your time. And we're gonna figure out whether you as fans should ever join a union, be part of a union, unionize. And we're gonna talk to you about what's going on with minor league baseball and the union. We'll be right back. All right, did we go to break twice? Was that fun? Thank you for rating, reviewing, following. Seriously, you have to do that. I know I say it every day, but like follow nothingpersonal.npds on TikTok and Instagram, and then follow me on Twitter, David P. Sampson, because we have fun. Yes, we do. Okay. Every day I watch a movie and every day I get myriad communications from you, the listener, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I want you to stand up and acknowledge right now, because I can't find it, 
because luckily we've grown and I get too many. Who told me to watch? Who told me to watch Samaritan? Which one of you was it? It was only one of you and I'd never heard of it and I wanted to do it because I looked at it and I said, oh, Sylvester Stallone, Samaritan, I'm in, I'm out. It's asinine. Sylvester Stallone cannot be an action hero. He looks like Robert De Niro in The Irishman. Sometimes they make him young, sometimes he's old. There's a kid who's in it who's good, I guess. The old kid who wants his hero back. This guy died, but he didn't die and could have died, should have died, would have died, but didn't die and maybe he's not the one he said he was gonna be. Are you the Samaritan? Are you not the Samaritan? Are you the brother? Are they twins? Who cares? Spoiler alert, Samaritan's not Samaritan. There, you don't have to see it. I can't even talk more about it. I'm still gonna take suggestions from the crowd. I will. But could you do me just a small favor? And if you're the one who had DM'd me to watch Samaritan, can you, I'm gonna give you another try. Can you DM me again and give me something better to watch? I beg you. I will never get that 100 minutes back ever because I don't stop watching movies. Once they suck, I still go all the way to the end because wait a minute, there could be a scrambled nipple. Okay. <laughs> Coco has no idea what I'm talking about. That's a callback. Let me tell you what's going on in minor league baseball. We did a segment explaining to you that minor leaguers we're trying to unionize. And we told you what the process was gonna be. That first they had to get over 30% of the potential 5,000 minor leaguers to say, sure, we'd like to be in a union. Sounds good. And we'd like to be represented by the Major League Baseball Players Association. That's our guys. It's gonna be great. They sent out the cards. It's like a check, it's like a Mad Libs. Would you like to be represented by MLBPA? Yes, with like twinkles and Christmas trees and Hanukkiahs around it. And no, with like skulls and crossbones and potions, poisonous potions. So of course the minor leaguer players have no idea what, what it meant. They all said, we're in. And then I told you two procedural things can happen. One, once they get the 30%, they can then say, hey, Major League Baseball, who's the management of the union, there's unions and management, management. Do you mind if we become a union? Would that be cool with you? We'd love it. And, and if, if you don't mind, if you could just let us know by um, the middle of September, that'd be terrific. Maybe October, right during the World Series, because we want to do a very big announcement and we don't want to take the other route, but just say yes. Dear Rob, I never dreamt it would happen to me. The other way is that if you do not get the management to say, sure, no problem, be a union, you can then go before the NLRB, right? And there's a vote. And then everybody has to vote again, but you need more than 50%. Now, strangely enough, the MLBPA has indicated that everybody is in favor. Everybody sounds like 100%. Let's pretend it's not 100%. Let's say it's 90%.
why wouldn't they just go through the voting process of the NLRB? Because all you need is more than 50%. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe they don't want to take the time, but I think it'll happen super quickly. Maybe they don't have 50% of the players who are engaged enough to vote and you need 50%, not 50% of the voters who vote. You need 50% of everybody. Can you imagine if to do anything you needed 50% of everybody? Unfortunately, half the people don't vote. So you'd have to find a way to get them to vote. You have to make them vote. And some players don't like doing what anything, period. It took only 10 days to get to the 30%. And the claim that they're making is it was way more than the 30%. But if it were more than the 50%, then they would just go through the NLRB. So MLB gets this letter from the MLB PA saying, look, we got 30%. Any thoughts? Rob Manfred is looking and he's talking to Dan Hallam and they're speaking to Proskauer Rose, their labor attorneys. And there's, was that a spoiler? Am I not supposed to say that? I wonder if people don't know that. And they probably do. Proskauer has the best labor department in the country. If you go back and look at like where many of the commissioners like David Stern came from, they came from Proskauer. Gary Bettman came from Proskauer, I believe. That's who we used, Proskauer, since 1999. Anyway, so they meet with Proskauer and they say, how do we want to respond to this? And there's so much chatter out in the intergoogle about this. Please understand MLB is not going to just say, great, perfect, you're now a union. Because what a union means is the end of minor league baseball as we know it. And for all of the fans out there who don't know S about S, I can't say shit about shit. But for all of the fans who believe that, yeah, just form the union, it'll be great. They'll get paid more money, better working conditions, better living conditions, better food, better training equipment. It'll make more people become major leaguers and follow their dream. It's amazing. Nope. All of you who are not prospects, see you later. So listen, AJ, I know you listen to the show from time to time. I hope you listen to today's. If the minor league players form a union, AJ Ramos would never have pitched one time in the big leagues. Huh? How can that be? Because he never would have had a chance to outperform and prove himself in the minor leagues. He was not a high enough draft choice that we would have cared about because we would not have wanted to pay him the minimum required to pay union labor. The juice would not be worth the squeeze and we would have missed out on a great person, a great closer, a great pitcher, and just an all around friend. So when you're asked by minor league players, shouldn't we be part of a union? This is amazing. Are you truly thinking it through? Somehow, Francisco Lindor has become the spokesperson. If I'm Steve Cohen, I'm losing my mind as the owner of the Mets. Francisco Lindor, he of the $340 million contract where, hey, all you minor leaguers, just keep in mind, Francisco Lindor, Max Scherzer, and all the other people on the executive council, you will never be them. The odds of you getting a $340 million contract are so small that I can fit a thread through that needle. 
99.9% of you will still have to find a job after you're done in baseball. Whatever that job is, real estate, dentistry, doesn't matter. Francisco Lindor said, we're seeing how things have worked over the past decades and how things are going to work in the future. We're headed in the right direction. When I was in the minor leagues, it was so much about forgetting about what you're getting paid. Forget about the travel. Just make it to the big leagues and play better. Yeah, that's exactly what the minor leagues are for. Right now, I feel like there's way more awareness and understanding that it's about having better sleep, better travel, better food, better paychecks to help you perform at a higher level. I'm happy that we're working to unionize them and help them out. They are our future. That's like a song, isn't it? The children are our future. Could be a Michael Jackson song. God, that's disgusting to even think about. How creepy is that? Did Michael Jackson write a song about the children being the future? How many children did he rob of their future? Anyway, I digress. So what Francisco Lindor is missing in this conversation is that he's trying to get players who don't have a future in the big leagues to get treated as though they do. And owners will have the last laugh about this, and it's not a laugh because they don't want to cut the number of minor league teams any further than they have, but they will. So MLB will respond no to this letter, and then if the NLRB vote happens and the minor leagues become unionized, I assure you, you don't need a wait to see. There will be changes to minor league baseball that will be dismissed as unintended consequences because we have gotten a better life and better pay for the existing minor leaguers. Okay, if that's your goal, I'm in. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are rolling. 97 and 78. The Mariners beat the White Sox last night while you were sleeping. We're back to 19 over. I'm trying for 20 over, and I'm going to the Albert Pujols-led Cardinals. I'm just going to keep riding Jordan Montgomery because it's such an absolute F you to the Yankees that it makes me smile. Montgomery's playing the Nationals, and the, the Cardinals are going to beat the Nationals. So look for that. By the way, the NFL season starts tomorrow. Our pick of the day tomorrow will be the NFL Thursday night game, Chiefs-Bills. And we're going to have a little prediction preview of the NFL. For those of you listening over the pond, that's the National Football League. That's American football. Okay, thank you. Just wanted to let you know. Okay. Do you remember when I did that commercial for Inter-Miami? I don't know if you saw that. It's on the interweb. You can go check it out. Billy Corbin asked me to record something about the public financing involved in the Inter-Miami deal and how the owners of the Inter-Miami Major League Soccer team were saying, hey, it's not public financing. We are building the stadium ourselves." And I said, that's not exactly how it works. There is a ton of public money that's going to go into this. It may not go into the actual construction, but that's the way to do it. Ever since Marlins Park got done, there have been very few examples where the public contributes directly to the stadium that's being built. Sometimes you still need public approval. Sometimes you go to referendum. But what often is the case is that it's not for the actual structure of the building. It's for infrastructure, meaning roads and utilities and other such things. Or it's a break on the cost of the land, which is an opportunity cost for the public. There's all sorts of different ways to figure out 
how to give financial assistance to teams in order to keep the teams in your community. Yesterday, we talked to you. Was it yesterday, Coca, when we talked about the Chicago Bears, Arlington Racetrack? I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. Yesterday, the Chicago Bears unveiled this amazingly beautiful conceptual drawing of the largest development in the history of Illinois. It's going to have hotels, motels, Holiday Inn. Ha! I think I just heard that at the wedding I was at. What song is that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. What does matter, it'll have office and retail and all these things. And here's how it works when you own a team. You say you hire a architect and you say, I'm going to need a rendering. And the architect says to you, but we don't exactly know what it's going to look like because we don't have the drawings. I can give you an idea of what would look cool. When Marlins Park did renderings in order for us to get public financing, we did it in a way that made it look way better than it was going to look. We did it in a way that was totally out of scale. We did it in a way so that commissioners, both county and city commissioners, would have cover with their yes vote because, wow, this looks beautiful. This won't be an issue in the neighborhood. It's going to totally match. It's going to totally fit fine. When renderings are done in the real world, when the area is built and developed, it never looks that way. And I've got an even better one for you. When renderings are done about a huge development and they add in the office and the retail and they add in all the cool things that are going to be there, they're doing that so that you believe as voters or as politicians, you believe that, hey, this is so good for the community. Look at this. As long as you can get me a parking plan and a traffic study and a sun study because I don't want to schwitz, we're going to be great. Okay, how's the development around City Field going? Good, right? What about the development around Marlins Park? Did that go well? There is some cases, like in Atlanta, where the development happens quickly. Sometimes it takes a long time, like in St. Louis. Sometimes it never happens at all. So don't be fooled by these announcements and renderings by owners and teams when the sole purpose is to mislead you. So the Bears unveiled this amazing concept and then they said the magic words, not hocus pocus. The magic words were, we are going to build this facility with a roof, with a dome, without one dollar of your taxpayer money no public money and then they come down off the mountain they raise their hands to god and they say can i get an amen and then the next line is however we are excited to work with the local government in order to develop this great area around the privately built stadium. <laughs> do, you, do you get what they're doing? They're saying, hey, don't pay for X, but help pay for Y, which means you're actually helping pay for X because the money that they're using to pay for X, they're using 
from the savings that they're not having to pay for Y, but then they get to say that it's a privately built X, which is always the stadium. I have a better idea. Why not get the money for the development privately, but then get public money for the stadium? Oh my God, no, that presses buttons. That's a trigger. You can't do that. So now the teams announce opposite. Privately built stadium, but a publicly built development which supports the stadium. Do you think that the Bears bought, the owners of the Bears bought that land in Arlington, bought the racetrack land? What did they buy it for? What was it, Coca? Like 197 million, some amazing amount for the land, a very large amount of money. Do you think that they bought that land thinking that they were just gonna build a stadium there and that that math made sense? The math never makes sense. The incremental revenue from a new ballpark is a lot, but it doesn't cover construction costs plus land costs, ever. Just thought you should know. All right, there's a story in baseball that I want you to follow, even if you're not a baseball fan, because it's really cool. And I'm not just saying this as because I'm a, a former Marlin at all. The Marlins made a trade that was a great baseball trade. They traded Zach Gallen for Jazz Chisholm. Jazz is a unique player. He's been hurt, and the Marlins' offense stinks, and no one cares about the Marlins. However, all of that said, he's a really good player. Zach Gallen is a really good pitcher. Zach Gallen was one of the players they got from the Cardinals, along with Sandy Alcantara, probably one of the greatest trades ever made. As a matter of fact, go back and look at the Ozuna trade when he was traded to St. Louis by Michael Hill. And then, and then tell me why Michael Hill is not the GM of another team. Try to answer that question for me if you can. But in any case, Zach Gallen went to the Diamondbacks and he's in the middle of history. So I'd like you to watch his next start. When isn't his next start, Coca? Zach Gallen has 41 and a third straight scoreless innings. Let me make sure you understand the math. Nine, 18, 27, 36, plus five and a third. That would be the equivalent of pitching four complete games in a row and not giving up a run, and then being five and a third innings through your fifth game and not having given up a run. Does that happen often? No. It's the eighth longest since 1920. That's over 100 years for those of you doing math. You are watching history. Do you know who has the record? In 1988, there was a guy named Oral Hershiser. He was really good. He helped the Dodgers win their last World Series. Well, they won it during the COVID year in 2020. But prior to that, they hadn't won since the Kirk Gibson. Do you believe in miracles? No, that's Al Michaels. Come on. What did Vin Scully say? It's improbable. It's, do you believe? I can't. Go. It's, it's on YouTube. I'm a little all over right now, aren't I, Coca? Get me to focus in. What are we talking about? Oral Hershiser, 59 innings. 9, 18, 27, 36, 45, 54. Six straight games of going nine innings and not giving up a run, and then going five innings into your seventh game. That doesn't happen. Yeah, I guess it happened once. So Zach Gallen is gonna pitch on Sunday in Colorado. And that's just bad luck. 
it is incredibly unlikely that he will get through his start. Now, if he goes two innings, I guess he could get through his start. But remember, a scoreless inning is not just that you don't give up a run, but if you leave with the runner on base and the bullpen gives up that run, that gets credited to you and your streak's over. So it doesn't have to even be a hit off the bat when you're pitching. That's how rare and how hard it is to do what Zach Gallen's doing. So while Sunday you're going to be watching the NFL, and that'll be the big story, just turn over to the car, to the Colorado game and watch him pitch a couple times. Because isn't it cool to watch history? But you better go quickly because, unfortunately, wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. And if it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But here it is. Zach Gallon to give up a run in the first four innings of his start in Colorado. The scoreless streak has gone sort of unnoticed. He did win player of the week, which is sort of cool, but it, it, hasn't, it hasn't really been on your radar. Now that it's on your radar, there's pressure mounting because every inning he pitches that's scoreless, it continues to move up the list. And we're talking about a list that includes Bob Gibson. I mean, we're, it, this is not Schleppers. Brandon Webb is on this list, who you may not remember, but he was a Cy Young Award winner. Zach Greinke, when he was so good that you couldn't get a hit off him. People may not remember that. So watch the game. Watch part of the game. Zach Gallen will give up a run. Wait to see. That's official, by the way. When we go through our show... As you know, sometimes I cough, sometimes I sneeze, sometimes I have to put you on mute like this, which is hitting the cough button. But other times I say things that are just absolutely wrong. I want to be clear, I want to be corrected by you, okay? I'm fine with it. Someone DM'd me at David P. Sampson, long time listener, first time commenter. Feel free, you can comment all you want. I told you yesterday that there was a player who San Diego, the Padres, got at the deadline, the guy named Sean Manaya, and I was wrong. They got Sean Manaya in a trade with the A's right as the season was starting back in April. Is that the end of the world? No, but it is a correction nonetheless. Thank you. I will always give corrections. All right, that's our show. Guess what? We'll be back tomorrow. And we're going to talk NFL and some other interesting business stories that have yet to reveal themselves. This is Nothing Personal. 